We spent several weeks now talking about different heroes in the Bible. Uh, but here's a good question. What exactly qualifies someone as a hero in God's eyes, or should be, I guess, in our eyes? I mean, another way of asking that is this. What exactly is God after? You ever ask yourself that question? God, what do you want from me? What is it that God most desires? And Hebrews 11.6 answers that question. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So the Bible says there's one simple thing that God is looking for, right? And that's faith. And did you notice that it doesn't say anything about activity? It, it doesn't say that you know, without serving, it's impossible to please God. It doesn't say that without giving, it's impossible to please God. It doesn't say uh, that without reading your Bible or praying, it's impossible to please God. I mean, th there's nothing active that he talks about here. Uh, it, what it says is without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, I think we would all agree, I hope we would all agree, that all those things that I just mentioned are things that we should all be doing but they are an overflow of our faith. That's the important thing. Is that everything, all the activity that happens in our life should be an overflow of faith and, and trusting in God. And so I guess a good place then to start is, again, ask the question, well, what exactly do we mean by faith? And the word faith, as you likely know, is the same word for believe. But think of believing in this terms. If we are believing in God, another word, another synonym that I like to use in my mind that helps kind of clarify, it's the word trust. It's not believing just intellectually, but faith is actually believing in the sense that you are trusting and I'm trusting God fully. It made my, my mind go back many, many years, more years than I would like to admit to the time when our girls were really little and one of our favorite things to do when they were little is we would always go uh, to our little neighborhood pool. And even when they were older, we would still go to the neighborhood pool, but it looked a little different when they got older. When they were little, I think every parent has been through this. If you have been to a pool with your children, you go through this same routine. And that is before your kids know how to swim, you stand them on the side of the pool you get inside the pool, and you try to get the kids to jump to you, right? This is just kind of this rite of passage, I think, for most parents and children. And, and I remember doing that, and, and probably like most kids, our girls, both of them were very, very hesitant. And I'm in the pool, and they're on the edge, and they would just kind of stand here like this, and they didn't really want to move, right? And so I would get right over to the very edge of the pool, and I would put my arms up to where I could just literally just about touch them, and they would start by just kind of falling forward just a little bit, right? And as soon as they fell, I would kind of grab them and pull them in, you know, and that was the first step. And then gradually, you take a step back and a step back and a step back. And next thing you know, I mean, they're running off the side of the pool, just, you know, jumping as far as they can and, and knowing that their dad's going to catch them. Now, let me tell you why that was so pleasing to me why I love that so much it wasn't because my kids ran and jumped in a pool when they didn't know how to swim that part was not the good part right in fact we try to make it incredibly clear you never do this if we're not watching if we're not inviting you to come right you don't do this on your own it wasn't the activity 
of jumping off the edge into the pool that was pleasing to their father. What pleased me was that they trusted me enough to know that if they jumped, I was going to catch them. And the bottom line is, if I decided to turn away or if I decided to say, you know, I'm not going to get you this time, it would not go well for them, right? But they knew that wasn't going to happen because they knew that they had a father who loved them that would never let that happen to them. And so that's this image that I often have in my mind of what it means to trust God. Today, our hero of the faith is a guy by the name of Stephen, the one in the Bible, For those of you that may have seen our fun little Facebook post this week, um, Stephen is found in Acts chapter 6, and he is described, as we'll see in a minute, as being someone who is full of faith, full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Um, And and so, turn in your Bible with me, Acts chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 5 in a minute. Let me give you a little bit of a reminder of what's taking place here. Earlier in this chapter, some of the... um, the widows, the Hellenistic widows, it says that the Greek widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And so some people came to the apostles on their behalf and said, our widows are being overlooked. And we, we talked about this maybe a couple of weeks ago, I mean, a couple of months ago or so, this whole passage. Um, but this was a critical time for the church because there was a legitimate need here. There were underlying potential racial kinds of, of, of tones associated with this. I mean, it was really important that they handle this situation correctly, that they meet this need, that they provide for the widows. And so they got together and they came up with a plan. And the plan was this. The apostles said it wouldn't be right for us to neglect our calling, which was to preach and to pray and to share the gospel. So let's raise up some others who can take care of this need. All right. So that's where we pick it up. Verse 5 says, this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. And so the first person that they mention, in fact, the only one who actually gets any description about his character is this guy named Stephen. So what was it about Stephen? What do we, what do we know about Stephen? Well, we know that it says that he was a man that was full of God's grace and power. We know that he was full of faith. And the Holy Spirit, we know that he, God was giving him the ability to perform miracles. I mean, this is a pretty impressive guy, right? So what was it about him that, that would cause him to be a hero of the faith? Well, we're going to talk about that today, but before we do, let me just remind you of something. It's really important. I think I've said this just about every week, but just to continually remind us, what we are, are doing when we are looking at these heroes of the faith is we are really not trying to copy some individual, what we're trying to do is find people who were transformed so that the character of Christ was formed in them, because that's God's desire for us, right, is to transform us into the image of Christ. We're looking for examples that we can follow in that respect. So the goal really isn't to become like Stephen or to become like Elijah or Esther or any of the others we talked about. The goal is to have 
people that are just like us that we can look to and say, well, if God changed them, maybe he can do the same for me. And so just as Stephen was displaying the character of Christ, that's our goal as well. So there are a couple of things that that I want us to dive into today. And the first one is simply this. As we're looking at Stephen as a hero of the faith, as somebody that, that reflects the character of Christ, one is that Stephen trusted God fully. We see that in, in this passage, but even more so in chapter 7, which we're not going to get into. I'll summarize some of that for you. We're not going to get all the way into that. But in chapter 7, we see uh, that, that Stephen gives this incredible sermon to uh, the religious leaders at this time. And by the way, if you ever feel like I'm just not real clear of exactly what took place in the Old Testament, if you want a really clear synopsis of just kind of a, a 30,000 foot view of Old Testament, read Acts chapter 7 because Stephen basically summarizes um, and you know, obviously skips over some things, but he gives a good summary. So you get, he, he's, he's building common ground and what we learn from that, Stephen was a Jew. He had this Jewish background and so he's building camaraderie with other Jews like this is our history, this is what God has done for us and, and all of that. But Stephen was different in this respect. The fact that he's full of faith is referring specifically to his faith in Christ. And you get to the end of chapter 7, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll look at this a little bit later, but Stephen is basically saying to them, you missed the Messiah. So Stephen believed that Jesus really was this Messiah that they had been waiting for, and so he put his trust he put his faith in Jesus. And I think about, man, all the things that could have kept him from doing that, right? This was not the easy decision. He was going to face quite a bit of opposition as a result of this. In fact, so much so, you get to the end of chapter 7, and you may remember what happened to Stephen. He was martyred. They killed him. They stoned him. And so he wasn't doing this because it was the easy road. He was doing it because he had come to believe with all of his heart that Jesus really was who he claimed to be, and so he put his faith in Jesus. So when the Bible says Stephen was full of faith, let's start there, that he believed in Jesus. A simple question for you, have you done that? Have you placed your faith in Jesus as the Messiah, the one who had come to, to rescue them from and us, even still today, from our own sinfulness? That's what Stephen did, and that's where we have to begin and if you haven't yet made that decision, you can do that today. And we'll come back to that a little bit later at the end of our message. But just to know that at any point, we can make the same choice that Stephen made. To trust in Jesus. And to be full of faith in who he is. But there's something else that we see about Stephen. Not only that foundation, which is the most important thing that he trusted in Christ. But Stephen's faith, when it says that he was full of faith... We see that being demonstrated in the way he trusted God through what he was about to experience here. See, Stephen was about to go through some really um, difficult situations in chapter 7 because when he preaches a sermon and they're all with him until he says, you know, you are the one who crucified the righteous one, and he turns on them and they're like, whoa, okay, so now they're, they're very angry. So angry, in fact, it says that they tore their robes, they covered their ears, which this is 
I mean, it's a sad situation, but it's almost a little bit of humor there. You know, you see them ripping their clothes and covering their ears and shouting because they can't stand what Stephen is saying. And they drag him off to put him to death and they stone him to death. And so he endures that because he had faith. Now, I think that in some respects, our society has done us a disservice in associating the term faith with, here's the way we often use this. If you have faith, you know, all things are possible. And that's true. That is true. But, but we have used this term faith to mean if I believe hard enough, then I, then I can make anything happen, right? Faith means just believing really hard so that anything can happen. And there is that aspect of that, that when we put our faith in God, all things are possible for God. But there's another aspect of faith that I think gets overlooked a lot of times, and that is that faith is trusting God no matter what. Here's, here's my understanding of faith. It kind of helps to clarify in my own mind. Faith is less about believing that God will change our circumstances and more about trusting God regardless of our circumstances. Let me say that one more time. Faith is less about believing that God will change our circumstances and more about trusting God regardless of our circumstances. And we see that with Stephen here, that even though the people turn against him and even though they stone him to death, he's continuing to trust God. That was because, that, that wasn't a, a, a spur-of-the-moment decision, by the way. You don't decide to have that kind of a faith in the moment. That is something that was built into him. That was something that he had developed long before that time. So that when he got to that point of testing, the faith was there, the trust was there in order for him to, to be able to trust them. But, but we, we get into chapter 7 and you know they're, they're sh- covering their ears, they're tearing their clothes, they're screaming. And then Stephen says that he sees Jesus at the right hand of the Father and that just sends them over the edge. And in their mind, that was blasphemy. And if Jesus isn't really God, then that would be blasphemy because they, they clearly understood to say he was at the right hand of God is talking about the divinity of Jesus. And yet Stephen trusted God through all of that anyway. Even though it cost him his life, he trusted God. Anybody find yourself in a difficult circumstance these days, in things that are just hard, and, and, and you, you, know, you want it to change, and there's nothing wrong with wanting it to change, but, but I just want to encourage you with this, that when you find yourself being tested, and you find yourself going through those challenges, and we all do, You can trust God in the midst of those circumstances. Not just trust God to change them and and turn them into what you want. But but do you have enough faith to say, God, I'm going to walk through this trusting you? That's what real faith is. Even if the outcome seems brutal from our perspective, which in Stephen's case it certainly was, as they stoned him to death. But he still had faith. So Stephen, first thing, was that he was full of faith. He was a man of faith. But we said this earlier, the the verse also said he was full of faith. And what was the second thing he was full of? Do you remember? The Holy Spirit. He was full of faith and the Holy Spirit. So here's the second thing, is that Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Some of the amazing things that we see, we'll, we'll, we'll see this a little bit more in a moment. He was performing miracles. He was preaching in power. So the Holy Spirit's power was definitely at work in him and through him. But I think before we jump into that, let's clarify something that is really important here. And that is the, the difference between being indwelled by the Holy Spirit and being filled by the Holy Spirit. It's really important. That we understand the difference between these two. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is something that happens at the moment of salvation. At the moment that we trust in Jesus. One of the clearest verses in scripture that speaks to that is Ephesians chapter 1. I guess verses 13 and 14. I'll read both of these. It says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, okay, so you trusted in Jesus, this is what happens. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Do you get that? Once you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, with the Holy Spirit. When we believe in Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit, he indwells us. However, the Bible continues to command us to be filled with the Holy Spirit even after we have received the Holy Spirit, after the Holy Spirit has indwelled us. In this same book, so Ephesians 1 is what we just read, a little bit later, later in the same letter, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says this, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. He instructs these believers to be filled with the Spirit. Same thing in Acts chapter 4. We actually looked at this one last Sunday. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, you get to the end of this prayer gathering. The church had been praying. Peter was released from prison. They pray together. The walls are shaking, all that. That's what we read about in verse 31. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So these obviously are believers who have already received the Holy Spirit, but now they're being filled with the Spirit. So being filled with the Spirit is something that we have to do on an ongoing basis, daily basis, maybe even more than, than daily. We're regularly getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and I think of that in terms of literally filling our lives up with the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to have complete control of us so that we get completely filled up. Now, in order to visualize that a little bit, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a little trek over here to the side stage for just a moment because this is not a, a science experiment. If you were wondering what's going on, nothing's going to explode over here when we do this. But, but I do think this is a, a, a cool visual for us just to, to wrap our minds around what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? So this container right here, this is going to represent our lives, okay? So right now, it's empty, but as you know, there are a lot of things that we can fill our lives with, and these, these little vases here are going to represent some of those. Let's let this first one maybe be uh, activities that we're a part of. So you've got, uh, let's say you've got kids, they're, they're involved in, in cheer or gymnastics, or they're involved in sports or drama or choir or whatever it may be, and those activities that you're a part of as a family, those begin to fill up a little bit of space, right? And then you've got relationships 
that, that need to be poured into. So that could be relationships with those kids. If, if you have children, if you're married, that could be a relationship with a spouse. It could be uh, relationships with friends, family members, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, whatever it may be. Those relationships begin to take up some space in our lives, right? And then if you've got a job, boy, that certainly is one, right? So you have to go to work. And that fills up some of the, the space inside of us as well. And, you know, you, maybe in some cases it's 50, 60 hours a week or more and just grinding away at trying to climb that ladder. And so work fills it up. And then hopefully, maybe there's a little bit of time left for something that you like, something that you enjoy. That could be, you know, reading a book. It could be going to the gym. It could be, you know, hanging out with friends, whatever it is, sometimes we get a little bit full there and aren't able to do as much as we want of our own thing. But look at what happens once we get filled with all this other stuff. Now over here on this side, this clear water represents the Holy Spirit. Anybody see a problem here if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? The problem is we're already full. There's no room there. So what do you do about that? Well... The only thing that we can do about that is that we start with an, an empty container, right? If we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we need to empty some of those other things out of our lives. We need to start with the Holy Spirit, and then we say, okay, my, my goal is to be filled up. And if I'm an empty container, guess what? That can happen. We can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I think I know what some of you are thinking. Said you, you're saying all these things are bad? No, that's not the point. The point is not that you can't you know, have activities. The point is not that you can't have relationships or a job or do things that you want to do. The point is that we have to fill ourselves with the Spirit first. And when we get filled with the Holy Spirit first, then, then that begins to overflow into these other areas of our lives. I think sometimes we get so busy and so involved in so many things, and frankly, our, our attention gets directed in so many different areas that we just miss getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Stephen is described as one who was full of faith and one who was full of the Holy Spirit. And, and one of the results of that, did you notice what it said there in, in verse 8? Let me go back to that again. It says, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and gifts, wonders and signs among the people. You see, the, the overflow of being filled with the Holy Spirit was that Stephen was full of power and he was full of God's grace. So does God want to do those things through us? Absolutely. See, the, the Holy Spirit is active, right? And so if we are being filled with the Holy Spirit, we're not just going to be sitting around all day doing nothing. The Holy Spirit in us is going to be active and is going to work through us and overflow to people around us. It's just that we have to get the order right. We have to prioritize first being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then that, that power comes in our lives for us to, to be able to do what we need to do. I referenced this earlier, but, but let me just read a couple of verses 
to you from the end of, of chapter 7. I mean, you talk about being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that we see, we saw this in Acts chapter 4. Being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit means speaking the word of God boldly. Listen to how bold Stephen was. Verse 51. So he's done all this building and, you know, kind of recounting all that's taken place in the Old Testament. Then you get to verse 51, and he says, You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Wow, what a contrast, right, between being filled with the Holy Spirit and resisting the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him, you who have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. <laughs> wow, that's, that's pretty bold right there. He is boldly proclaiming God's truth here because he is filled with, with the power of the Holy Spirit. There are a lot of different ways the Holy Spirit can work through us. And we see then in Stephen's case, he performed miracles and did all those kinds of things. And, and that is one demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. But, uh, but I want to tell you, one of the clearest demonstrations of the power of the Holy Spirit is when we start speaking boldly. I don't know if anybody else is in the same boat that I'm in right now, and that is that I'm praying regularly, God, give me more boldness. I need to be more bold in sharing the gospel and looking for those opportunities and taking advantage of those opportunities to tell others about Christ. That's what Stephen did because he was filled with God's power. But then it also says in verse 8 back in chapter 6 again, he was full of grace and power. And, and this is an interesting mix here because sometimes when you think of somebody who's bold, you might think of somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of grace, right? And yet both of those, these, these are not mutually exclusive. Stephen had both the power of the Holy Spirit that led to boldness and he had incredible grace. Verse 60 in chapter 7, after they begin to stone him and he's dying, verse 60 says, Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep, which means he died. How much grace does it take in your last dying breath to say, don't hold this against him? Does that sound familiar? Heard anybody else who prayed a prayer much like that? Sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? Remember, just before Jesus died, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. We said this earlier. Stephen is being transformed to become like Jesus and, and certainly demonstrating grace to those around us is one of the clearest ways that we can see that the Holy Spirit is empowering us but that we are becoming like Christ. Guys, isn't it true that the world that we live in, we need a lot of grace, don't we? <laughs> I mean, people are going to hurt us. They're going to offend us. Things are going to happen. We need grace. But you know what I also realize is that I also need for others to extend grace to me because I'm going to offend. I'm going to hurt. I'm going to let people down. We desperately need more of God's grace in our lives. How do we get that grace? We tap into it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Think about it like this. I could not give you a million dollars, even if I wanted to. 
Do you know why? Because I don't have it. So I couldn't give it to you. But I know people who do. I know people that if they wanted to, they could give you a million dollars. Maybe they could even do it several times. But even the richest people I know, if they were continuing to give you a million dollars every day, they're going to run out fairly soon, right? If, on the other hand, Elon Musk decided that he was going to give you a million dollars, he could give you a million dollars every single day for the rest of your life, and it would essentially not change his net worth much at all. In fact, um, if he never made another penny, had zero income from this point forward, zero interest, I mean, nothing else coming in for the rest of his life, it would take him 731 years of giving a million dollars away every single day before he ran out of money. That is a level of riches that I cannot wrap my mind around. But then I read what the scripture says about the riches of God's grace. And I'm thinking any kind of earthly riches pales in comparison to the riches of God. And so when, when we really get in, in touch with the Holy Spirit, get filled with the Holy Spirit, we have this grace of God in us and flowing through us. It's never going to run out. It'll never run dry. So... Why is Stephen the spiritual hero for us? Because he was full of faith, because he was full of the Holy Spirit. And, and we see all these things uh, that happened as a result of that. But it all started with him confessing his faith in Christ. And so I want to end there today with an encouragement. And I know for many of you, you've made that decision already, but maybe some haven't. Maybe even some that are joining us online have not yet come to a point of truly trusting and Christ as your personal Savior. And I just want to invite you today, if you've never taken that step of, of faith, because you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit until you first receive Christ by faith. You're indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and then from that point forward, we can begin to be filled. You know, the reason Stephen did all that, that he did, the reason he didn't back down when, when they were stoning him, and the reason he followed through with everything... It's because he saw Jesus. He saw Jesus in heaven and, and he knew that that's where he was headed. His future was secure. Is yours. Have you settled that issue where you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your eternity is, that you'll spend, spend it with Jesus. You'll be in heaven once this life is over. How do we know that? Only one way and that's through Christ. We'll never be good enough. We'll never earn God's favor. But because Jesus died in our place, because he took on the penalty for our sins, that means we can be forgiven and we can have new life in him. And if there's never been a time where you have made that decision to trust in Christ, I want to invite you to do that right now. In fact, we're going to pray a prayer. We'll even put the words on the screen for you to follow along. But just a simple prayer of faith and trust. If you're ready to turn your heart over to Jesus, I invite you to pray this prayer with me now. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. And if you're ready to say yes to Jesus and to give your heart and life to him, then pray a prayer like this. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. 
Thank you for dying on the cross to pay for my sins and to bring me into your family. I confess that I'm sinful and I turn away from my sins and I put my faith in you to save me. I believe that you died for me and rose from the dead. So I give myself to you fully. Thank you for saving me. Amen. If you prayed a prayer like that, I I want to invite you to let us know. And I'm going to invite our our worship team to come as well to lead us into a time of response today. Because the most important thing we can do when God is stirring in our hearts is to share that with others. So that there are people that can come alongside of us and can encourage us and help us grow. And so we certainly want to know if you trusted Christ for the first time. But but I want to to ask you another question because I know for many that you have made that decision. But here's the question for you today. Are you trusting God fully, day by day? Could it be said of you that you are full of faith? Fully trusting God in every aspect of your life? Or could it be that there are some areas where you've said, God, I think I've got this. And and, and are not truly releasing it to his control completely. If so, I'd love love to hear about it. I'd love to know how we can pray and just encourage you in that process maybe for some it's I just want to be filled in a fresh way with the Holy Spirit's power in my life whatever it is I'm going to be available right outside the doors here in the next step center if something's on your heart today we want to encourage you take that step whatever that looks like to trust in him fully to be fully filled with the Holy Spirit maybe to get some of the junk out of the way so that you really can be filled with the Holy Spirit in your life Let's go ahead and stand together if we could. And if something's on your heart today, I want to encourage you. Come share it with us. Come pray with us, whatever it may be. We look forward to hearing from you. We look forward to to seeing how God fills you in a fresh way today.